Welcome to Cleaning Up, a podcast about all things business, commercial cleaning and franchising. Each episode, we bring new insights on growing and building a janitorial business. We discuss business, franchising and all things cleaning. Here's your host, Damien Boehm. Welcome to today's episode of Cleaning Up. I have a very special guest today. It's Kirk Simpson. He's special because he has played an integral part to Urban Clean's journey. He's been with us almost from the day, well, actually not just almost, from the day we were operating from the garage and until we've become a national and soon multinational cleaning business. And we want to talk today about what's going on in the commercial cleaning industry and how that affects clients, how does that affect cleaners, how does that affect cleaning companies, and also how it affects franchising. So Kirk, my first question is why are you still here? Great question. And I ask myself that often. <laughs> Not that often. Kind of funny though, isn't it? We kick off with an idea and we think we have an understanding of a way that we want to go about a particular business. And then, you know, you kind of get smacked in the face with the industry norm and the status quo. It doesn't work for you. You realize neither of us coming from the cleaning industry. So you're kind of expecting it to be a certain way. And then the industry's showing you what they consider to be the normal way about going to business. And you're thinking, this is really dumb. And, you know, the biggest challenges that you're facing is because of the inefficiencies in the way that you're actually running the business. And I'm still here because I think that once we realized that we needed to make radical change in our own mindset and the way we're doing things, it became more of a growth journey, like a personal development as much as developing in business. Cleaning is cleaning. We're not saving lives, but I tell you, trying to get this thing right over the last few years has definitely been an adventure, let's just say that. That's a good way to describe it. (laughs) What is typical in commercial cleaning? What's typical for our industry? Okay, well, we've got a couple of different sort of segments that we could apply that to. I think typical for the industry norm as operating a business, if we say that, in the way of expectations is, you know, you come in pretty low on price. You know, you're always trying to win on price. The low barrier to entry nature of the business, pick up a cloth and you're a cleaner, means that there's not a lot of business now going on there. But for the majority, it's very fragmented. There's a lot of businesses operating out there. And as a result, they are delivering at the back end very poor quality outcomes too because always time-driven because of the prices and also lack of training and efficiencies. There's no real communication with customers. Big businesses won at, you know, these big contracts, 100000 and up a month. They're won at tenders and won at very low margins and then subcontracted out after taking a bit of that margin away for yourself. You're left with even less money to operate this and, you know, you just kind of give that trouble over to another company and say good luck with that. So it's kind of normal to see all of this kind of, you know, sub-sham contracting going on, very poor outcomes, a lot of customers being burnt multiple times and just trying to hang on or find a cleaner that they would consider to be bare minimum delivering just a bare minimum service. Can you show up and then not miss things all the time, be somewhat consistent? There's a lot of gaps, a lot of things that are broken, but that also means there's a lot of opportunity, doesn't it? I would say that sometimes the attitude is if they don't burn the building down, it's all good. Food taken out of the fridge. (laughs) That's right. The place is left locked. They don't burn it down. And there's a huge level of scepticism in the marketplace. Mm. How do I know that you're going to be any better than what I've got? The devil you know is better than the devil you don't because they've been burnt so many times with different cleaning companies. 
And it's that lack of transparency. There's almost a wall of secrecy because once you enter into a cleaning contract with a cleaning company, who ends up cleaning is sometimes completely unknown. And you don't even know whether it's going to be their workers, whether they're going to contract it out, and whether those people who get contracted out is going to contract it out again. And so you see almost seven layers. We've seen seven layers deep Absolutely. of subcontracting and no one knows who ends up on a site. They don't know whether they're allowed to work. Certainly, there's no way that they can possibly be paid correctly after everyone's taken their clip of the ticket. You don't know if they're police cleared and there's no way to communicate to the people who are actually doing the work. It's 100% correct. And even if you just break it down in its simplest form, how can you look after a customer you've never met? It's impossible to do that. And if conservatively, 95% of the cleaners that are going out on site today, tonight, tomorrow, and they've never met the owner or the manager, they wouldn't know their name, they don't know how to contact them, how are they supposed to be looking after these guys? I mean, really, that's one of the biggest gaps is that massive break in communication. And that leads us to the next thing I wanted to ask you, Kurt. We've gone down the franchising route. A lot of people think that's crazy. What is it that franchising companies do that is completely unusual for the franchising industry? And we talk about this often, almost every day, about this expectation that franchisees in the commercial cleaning industry operate under a very unique set of parameters that nobody would expect if they had a pool cleaning franchise, if they had a printing franchise, if they had a restaurant franchise. Tell us a little bit about that, Kurt. Yeah, you're spot on there again too. I find that incredible. And it was something that, again, the industry norm, it was the status quo. It took us a little while to get our head around it as well. You know, But franchising is another animal in itself. You know, Having over 100 business partners, you've got over 10 franchises, you've got things to do, right? So... What you're alluding to there is basically, I'd just call it, you've heard of sham contracting. I mean, let's just call it sham franchising because what we're looking at is a pseudo employee dressed up as a franchise in order to be able to pay them pretty much less than the award or something like that. I mean, it's really tough. That's right. When a franchise comes in to make an inquiry with us, and you know this, Damien, mate, one of the first things I say is if we wanted cleaners, we just put an ad on Gumtree, you know, and you'd have to throw your phone away. I've mentioned that before too because you'd be inundated with calls. You wouldn't be able to use that phone again. That'd be it. It's not cleaners that you're actually looking for. And yet, a lot of the other companies, you know, we don't need to name and shame. If you're listening, you know who you are. You're not even making connections between your franchisees and customers. So in other words, you haven't really got a person that owns a business. You've got somebody that's working under you as a pseudo-employee because you've got supervisors supervising their work. They can't communicate to customers, actually incapable. There's nothing about the franchise that's actually showing them how to drive a business by the numbers, you know, looking at profitability or sales mastery. You're not showing them how to, you know, create and fill out proposals and calculate times. The office is set up to receive an onslaught of complaints on a Monday morning, you know what I mean, from the weekend's work. The more franchisees they have, the more problems they've got and the more support stuff they need. I mean, we have our Monday morning meetings in the office at 9am. We've got one operations manager who's really our trainer nationally, and we've got over 130-odd franchisees. Why? Well, we're doing our best not to get ning-nongs. These guys are treated as business owners. We have a training plan for these guys, which includes sales mastery, 
how to cold call, how to get referrals, how to be referable, customer relationships, they're the direct point of contact with their customers. All of these things took us a while to get right ourselves because it's just so uncommon to see this kind of business set up in commercial cleaning franchising. The majority is just, like I said, a pseudo franchise employee masquerading as a business owner and not getting really what they should have got when they bought a genuine business. And it all comes down to contracts. Now, we understand the nature of the beast, as it were. So one of the pulling effects of cleaning contracts is that people can see regular income coming in because there's a client who signed an agreement for 12 months, 24 months, sometimes longer, to engage a cleaning company with their cleaning. That's income you can put in the bank. And obviously that becomes a valuable asset and it's a revenue stream that can come into a business. And that's what people get attracted to. And I think particularly with franchising, in commercial cleaning, they're looking at that as the income driver, but they forget that's just a symptom or that's the effect of having a great business system. The trouble is, is if there's nothing unique, there's nothing different about a company's offering, like a franchise's offering, then the only way they can compete in this industry is through price. And then if the whole model is, I've got a price-driven business, I win cleaning contracts based on price, and then I sell those contracts out to franchises who are not allowed to talk to their customers, who are not allowed to grow their business, who are only allowed to turn up and do the cleaning, they can't go anywhere anyway. There's no money for them. They're not making money in this business and there's no possibility for them to expand their business. I find it hilarious when we talk to some prospective franchisees who have gone to other systems and had a chat with them and they said, look, they told us we don't need to talk to the customers. We don't need to win a cleaning contract. Everything gets done for us and all we need to do is turn up and do a clean. You've got a cleaner then. You don't have a business owner. Yeah. In franchising, it's a recipe for disaster. Let's be honest. It doesn't matter what market you're running a franchise system in. If they're not in control of their business and they're waiting all the time, it was that Greg Nathan's E factor, you know, that franchise E factor. And you know, one of the things is just below the line thinking, isn't it? You're waiting around for other people to do things in your business constantly. You're feeling out of control. Now, what are they doing? If something's not right, they're just going to throw the blame straight back at the franchise or staff and if they lose a contract, it's certainly not going to be their fault because all they do is clean. They have no customer relationships. It's like a total disabandonment between a business owner and the business they're trying to be owning. Crazy separation, you know, so it won't work. It doesn't work. We've seen the disaster, you know, fallout from all of this kind of stuff in the past. And it was the biggest thing that we had to come to terms with. That mental shift was, are we a commercial cleaning business? Even if we're a franchise, are we one? Is that what we're operating? Or do we genuinely know how to set people up in a profitable commercial cleaning enterprise? Because, I mean, I love commercial cleaning, non-seasonal, consistent income. It's very profitable if you're doing it correctly. It's It's boring. It's regular. Boring. (laughs) And profitable. Boring's awesome. You know, it's it's recession-proof. Massive amounts of opportunity as well. So anybody that's looking at this from a real business perspective, what a great industry to be running a business in. This is fantastic because domestic is a discretionary spend when it comes to, you know, cleaning. I've got the kids' school books this month. Oh, we won't do the cleaning. Where commercial cleaning is like electricity. It's a utility for, you know, the majority. Do a great job because there's a lot of garbage out there. So you do a great job and you'll keep those customers for a long time. Right? And I love that. So if you're looking at 
getting into a business and running this correctly, like you said, it's a very attractive industry to want to play. You just don't want to be competing in price. There's ways to do that, isn't there? I mean, the way you win the customers is the way you're going to lose them. And again, it doesn't matter what market you're playing in. So if you're going to win them on price more often than not, you'll just lose them to price. That's about having some understanding about great business principles, good marketing strategies. That's why you need to be educating your franchisees on business. The mechanic might be cleaning, but if you're not educating your franchisees that own a business on business, it's a downhill slide. Customer retention is going to go out the door, isn't it? That's right. And I think the solution, and it's taken us a long time to get to this solution, the solution is what you've just said. So it's not about the cleaning because you can teach anyone how to clean. Once they go for a cleaning training program, within about two or so weeks, they're up and running. They can vacuum the floor. They can change bin liners. They can wipe down desks. They can avoid cross-contamination by using different colored cloths, you name it. Now, obviously, there are more advanced methods and techniques related to cleaning, but the, the task itself, everyone can agree on, is fairly simple. The complexity comes when you're actually growing a sustainable, profitable business. And that's something that took us some time to develop, is that we're not looking at these guys just as cleaners, we're looking at them as business owners. And so we put a huge emphasis on sales mastery, communication mastery, profit mastery, training, recruiting, and monitoring staff, making sure that you can manage staff so that they're doing a great job and you're paying them correctly. You're paying them the award rates. You're engaging your cleaning staff. So it's not just, here's the job, this is the scope, and here's your bucket, your mop, your broom, and your vacuum cleaner. Go at it. That's very typical. A lot of people say the franchisees might be great when we get flack as a franchise system. They don't know anything about what we do. They don't know about what Urban Clean does differently, but they look at a franchise system and they say, the franchisee probably has been trained, knows what they're doing, but odds on the staff that they're getting are clueless. And so the quality goes downhill quickly, not because of the franchisee, but because the franchisee staffs it out or worse, subcontracts it out where they're not even supposed to follow the franchise system because when you do true contracting, you can't tell someone how to do that job properly. Only franchise partners and employees are bound to follow a step-by-step system. I agree with that in so many ways. But there's, I think one of the things we learned was you can give somebody information once, but it doesn't mean they're going to retain it. You know, like The programs that we put in place right now, it's just this continual... I'll call it bombardment. You know, you've just got to continually saturate and bombard franchisee business owners with the methods and the systems and, you know, the reasons, the underpinning knowledge why these things are so important for their business. And you keep having to give it to them because, like you said, if they're buying a system that is actually proven not just to win business, but to, you know, retain it and give them great outcomes, and yet they don't follow those systems bringing on an employee you're not going to get the result, are you? So it's about, I think, pushing out not just the information, making it very accessible. We just got our ISO, you know, like for the quality management system, environmental and OHS, you know. And that was massive, probably eight months work to to make sure that we had all those things available in the right processes. But one of those things that came out of that was that continuous and feedback loop and that continuous contact with a customer from a franchisee And then also making all of the information, not just 
available but accessible and easy to find. And, you know, if it's too hard to get to, they're not going to want to get to it. I don't want to digress too far one way, but I think one of the things that has really given us a good solid footing in the way of our franchise base that we currently have right now is really getting an understanding that, yes, we've got great systems, but if no one's following them, then you're not going to get great outcomes. So we're really driving hard to educate our business owners. And I call them unit franchises. I don't like to call them cleaners. Why? They're cleaning, but they're a business owner and they've bought a unit franchise. So the terminology should always be unit like a franchisee because even customers go, hey, listen, the cleaner came in last night. Okay, so we need to get better at communicating that. Yes, they're cleaners, but these are business owners. You should be directly communicating with these guys. They do their own audits, you know, and they give that feedback back to customers. So they're winning their own business. How many times have we seen some wonderful things like our franchisees are going in and they're actually buying their customers a muffin and a coffee when they drop in the audit and, you know, they're going through the audit together and then they're leveraging that relationship going by, hey, by the way, when are we getting a carpet steam clean going on here? And they're getting that second and third money, you know. So having people build their own business is just great leverage in a franchise system. And any other franchise system that hasn't got business owners using the leverage of a franchise system, what are you doing? Why are you in franchising? Exactly right. It doesn't work just handing out cleaning contracts to franchisees and leaving it there any more for the franchisee as it does for the franchisor or for the client. It's like a lose, lose, lose situation. And it's been such, it's almost cast in bronze, this model that every other franchise business and commercial cleaning has followed where here's the cleaning contracts. This is the only thing you're really buying. If you don't have cleaning contracts in the franchise opportunity, it's worthless. Yeah. Rather than actually the business system, the methods, the ways to grow, expand, and to make the existing business profitable, become referable, and expand it for business development, not from the franchisor, but from the unit franchise, understanding those principles. And that's when the magic starts to happen. And this kind of blows some people's minds. I've chatted with a few people in the industry and they asked me like, well, what do your unit franchises do in terms of revenue? And when I start telling them just unit franchises are punching up to $300,000 plus per annum, they can't believe it. They just think, what? Oh, did you win all that work for them? We got them started, but they grew their business and expanded beyond that yeah. point. That is very hard for them to comprehend because it's not typical in yeah. franchising in commercial cleaning. No, it's not. And, you know, you look at over the years, you know, because we've done plenty of dumb stuff and you get clarity through rate of understanding. So, you know, it seems like we've got a simple model when we're looking at it now, but we also know how hard we had to work to get that positioning. You look at the traditional cohorts that come to us, they don't get it. You're a contract machine, aren't you? And you just feed me the contracts and that's the traditional cohort that comes to you. And then once I get that initial amount, how do I buy more from you? You know, it's kind of, well, hang on a second, buddy, just wow up a little bit here. Making a firm differentiation between, you know, the cost of the actual franchise system and then the cost of the actual contract value or customer base, which I like to call it that, you know, we're winning these guys, actually creates a separation between, oh, I see, I'm buying a business system and I'm getting a bonus setup of an initial customer base. Yes, you are. Okay, what happens from there? 
Well, like any other business, you grow it. You know, you buy a gym, an F45 gym, or you buy an anytime or whatever. You're going to get all the machines and the leasing, the fit outs, and all of this kind of stuff. You want to make sure you know how to grow your members. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, otherwise, you're going to have some pretty brand new looking machines in five years' time because no one's using them. But it's this weird, distorted perception of the cleaning industry when you're buying a franchise. I don't need to do anything because I'm just really buying contracts. And you're not. If you're buying a business, you're buying a business. And if you can't support them in growing their business and they can't be in control of the growth of their business, then they haven't bought a business. You're not actually selling them a business. They're essentially subcontractors. They're not business owners. No. That's one of the things that I'm noticing more and more. I'm sure you are too, Damien. But what I'm noticing more and more is because we're getting very clear in the way that our message to market is getting clear and also the understanding of the model we're using and how we're going about taking that model to the market, we're getting a lot of different types of candidates, not the traditional cohort, coming into the business and going, this looks really good. This looks like a real viable way of growing a business, especially one part-time to turn into full-time. You know yourself, we've got people from real estate, we've got accountants, we've got engineers, we've got you know, all of these wonderful people that are, oh, I've got teachers, people that have owned gyms. And they're looking at this going, wow, how much income? What can I earn in this business? It's nothing to get to 15, 20K a month in the first 18 months driving it yourself. We'll set you up in five, but we'll use that as an education process. And they're going, man, this looks really, really good. I can transition out of my day job. You know, they're already in sales, a lot of these guys. If you're not a clear communicator, you can't buy one, by the way. So if we can't have a conversation like this on the phone, you don't even have a meeting with us. And we don't waste our time. It's totally insane to think that if you're a poor communicator, you can buy a franchise in an English-speaking country if you can't speak English. Don't take that the wrong way out there, guys. But the reality is you've got to be able to communicate to a customer. <laughs> you have to. Otherwise, you can't do sales. So, and if you can't do sales, you can't grow your business. You don't want one of these franchises. You want to go buy something else. And it's not complicated. I mean, the scripts and the methods that we've developed, it's not rocket science. It took a long time to work them out. So it's simple, not easy. but it's not a complicated industry. There's just certain touch points and communication methods that clients want to see. They want that transparency. We developed an app to assist in those things, but it's just following the yellow brick road. You follow the bouncing ball. It's a simple process. You just got to follow it. But if you're not willing to follow it and you can't say the words and you don't have a smile on your face when you're saying them, then it's not going to work. No. And I think the other thing I'd like to sort of point out is that When we tell people that there are bigger opportunities, that is a watershed moment for many of them because at the moment we've just been talking about our unit opportunity, which is an opportunity that can get someone to about half a million dollars or so a year in revenue. But we've got an opportunity, we call it a regional, where our guys have been turning over multi-million, millions of dollars inside of their business. And in a very short period of time from outside the industry, just following these simple steps, but in a larger scale rather than just in a sort of a a more micro environment. And that really turns people's heads. That's the best way to say it. It's like, what? Commercial cleaning? Are you serious? There's that big of an opportunity. And when you say the numbers involved in commercial cleaning, even in Australia alone, let's not mention the rest of the world, we're talking close to $10 billion a year gets spent on cleaning, just commercial cleaning. And then if you look at the US markets and the UK markets, you're looking at 
close to $100 billion getting spent on clean. People are like, what? Are you serious? Cleaning? Yeah, and you don't have to convince anybody that they need it. You've just got to be their better option, and that's that communication. Maybe we could do a podcast about how to build your offer on value instead of just going in on price and understanding customers' needs, regardless of whether you're talking about cleaning or anything. If you get this right, regardless of the industry that you're in, if you know how to carve a niche and then communicate on value and then deliver a product or service at the back end of it that solves problems for the customers and you actually know how to do this, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, mate. It's going to be leaps and bounds ahead of where you would be if you just tried to say 10% off. 20% 20% off, you know, well, you know, that's really only attacking a 3% of the market when you're doing that. If you're not educating by understanding clearly what your customers need to be educated on, you're missing out on a lot of cash. So I think we can wrap it up today, Kirk. In one sense, we we're having a chat about this before. It's a little bit self-indulgent talking about this topic, but I think it's a, a serious issue that we need to be talking about. And that is the commercial cleaning industry has broken models inside of it. It's got a broken model if you look at it, the non-franchise sector, which is the majority of the sector. So probably 80% of the market is non-franchised. The other 20% that is franchised is running this weird hybrid employee subcontract model that's not a true franchise business and doesn't actually deliver the outcomes for the clients, for franchisees or franchisors. We'll wrap it up. Do you have anything else to say uh, on that, Kirk? I think we go any further, people will be switching it off. And they go, this is going a bit long. I'm going to go and have a coffee. It was great to talk to you, mate. So happy to do it again at any other time. Just keep plugging away. I'm looking forward to our UK expansion. See you, Kirk. Thank you for listening to the Cleaning Up Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. This podcast has been brought to you by Urban Clean, a commercial cleaning franchise with opportunities available globally. Check us out at www.urbanclean.com.au. Stay tuned for our next episode.